Hello, and welcome to Lessons with Dad. I am here with my daughter, Ruthie. Hi. And we are reading Acts 23 and 24. We're almost at the end of Book of Acts, Ruthie. And then we're going to be on to personal finance. Are you excited about getting on to personal finance? Yep. <laughs> what, what do you most want to go over? What are you interested in going over when we do that uh, series? Um... I don't know. Everything. Yeah. Well, Ruthie likes finance. It will be fun for her. She's going to take on a bigger teaching role. We're going to start with credit cards and then go into the credit agencies and how that works. We've got a pretty interesting book to go through. So we're going to have some fun with it. We'll probably do a couple of series on finance just because it's such an important topic. Um, but yeah, we'll jump right into it. Uh, but a few weeks left here, we're going to do chapters 23 and 24. We're going to do some excerpts from 23 and then all of chapter 24. And Ruthie, if you remember last time, Paul traveled back after spending years away, uh, preaching and converting, uh, Gentiles in places like Ephesus and Corinth. And now he is heading back to Jerusalem, the headquarters, kind of the headquarters of the Christian church, certainly the headquarters of the Jewish church. And shortly after getting there, he was arrested. And the head of the Jewish church, the leaders there are attacking him because, again, the Jewish church, they're jealous of these Christians. They look at it as a sect. They don't want this to go on. Uh, but th this is a force. God is behind them. There's nothing the Jewish people can do to stop it. But we're going to hear, we're going to begin right here in verse 1, Ruthie, if you would, in chapter 23. Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin. And Sanhedrin. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. We're not going to begin in verse 1. That's my fault. We're going to begin in verse 9. Thank you for that correction, Ruthie. Verse 9. Here we go. There is a great uproar, and some of the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, stood up and argued vigorously. We find nothing wrong with this man, they said. What if a spirit or angel has spoken to him? The dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them. He ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him into the bar barracks. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. So a big deal here. So again... There's a lot of politics in these couple chapters going on. Basically, Paul has come back. The Jewish church isn't happy. They were going to, you know, beat and, and chain Paul. But then he claimed that he was a, a Roman and Romans have rights. And so now the Roman uh, leaders are, are kind of realizing there's uh, some things going on in the church that here with Paul that, and, and they're going to realize, and, and they remember the leadership, Ruthie of Rome, the people that get put over certain areas, they want to keep the peace in the areas they're working and not, uh, have any problems. And right now the people that are over Jerusalem, uh, there's an uproar about Paul being there and what he's doing. He was formerly a leader in the Jewish church. And now he is a leader in this new Christian, uh, the way is some call it, but this is neat. What 
the Lord came in a dream or however he came to Paul and said, take courage, right? And this is him speaking to him. And this is really, this is how he's going to spend the rest of his life. Uh, and so the Lord is encouraging him here. He says, take courage as you have testified about me in Jerusalem. So you must also testify in Rome. So we're going to jump forward here to verse 23. Ruthie, if you'd continue. Then he called two of his centurions and ordered them, get ready a detachment of 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at nine tonight. <clears throat> Provide mounts for Paul so that he may be taken safely to Governor Felix. He wrote a letter as follows. Claudius Lysias. To His Excellency Governor Felix, greetings. This man was seized by the Jews, and they were about so to... Just, so just to give some context here, Ruthie, this is... Uh, they were trying to attack and kill Paul, even though the Romans had had, had him kind of under protection. And so the, the Roman person in the area in Jerusalem is sending... Paul with a bunch of soldiers to protect him to Caesarea to another Roman leader to say, Hey, here's this letter kind of telling you what's going on. So he's, um, telling him why he was seized, why they have him, And he's going to tell the kind of story here. So begin right here in verse 27. This man was seized by the Jews and they were about to kill him, but I came with my troops and rescued him for I had learned that he is a Roman citizen. I wanted to know why they were accusing him, so I brought him to their Sanhedrin. I found that the accusation had to do with questions about their law, but there is no charge against him that deserved death or imprisonment. When I was informed of a plot to be carried out against the man, I sent him to you at once. I also ordered his accusers to present to you their case against him. So again, that's a nice letter. Basically... <clears throat> There's nothing, Paul has done nothing wrong that deserves imprisonment or death for sure. But that doesn't stop the Jewish leaders, just like the Jewish leaders had Jesus arrested, beaten, and crucified. Uh, they're trying to come after Paul the same way. Uh, so he sends him off. He's under protection. And then let's hear what happens next. So the soldiers carrying out their orders took Paul with them during this night and brought him as far as Antipatris. The next day, they let the cavalry go on with him while they returned to the barracks. When the cavalry arrived in Caesarea, they delivered the letter to the government and handed Paul over to him. The governor read the letter and asked what province he was from. Learning that he was from Sicilia, he said, I will hear your case when your accusers get here. Then he ordered that Paul be kept under guard in Herod's palace. So again, they have him. They've got a few days for the, the accusers to get there. They're keeping him safe. Paul is, quote unquote, in prison. He's not really in prison. It's kind of like a house arrest, Ruthie. So people can come and see him and do things. And it's almost more for Paul's safety than anything else. But we're going to find out what's going to happen here because quite honestly, Paul's going to spend the rest of his life in jail or in house arrest, uh, as he, you know, until the end of his life. So let's read, we're going to read chapter 24 here, 
if you'll begin in verse 1. Five days later, the high priest Ananias went down to Caesarea. And that's Caesarea. With some of the elders and a lawyer named Tertullus, and they brought their charges against Paul before the governor. When Paul was called in, Tertullus presented his case before Felix. We have enjoyed a long period of peace under you, and your foreign sight has brought out reforms in this nation. Everywhere and in every way, most excellent Felix, we acknowledge this with profound gratitude. But in order not to weary you further, I would request that you be kind enough to hear us briefly. We have found this man to be a troublemaker, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the Nazarene sect and even tried to how do you say that? Desecrate. Desecrate the temple, so we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to learn the truth about all these charges we are bringing against him. So basically, no different than when Jesus was arrested and the Jews trumped up charges, they're trying to make up all these things against him with no proof, no uh, nothing really that he's done wrong. They're just trying to say he's a troublemaker, stirring up problems, which they know, the Jews know, that the leaders in those areas, the people that are in charge, they don't want trouble in their area. It gets back to Rome, and then they don't get promotions and things like that. So we're going to find out, Ruthie, that this whole thing, everything that's going on is very political, and Paul's trapped in this, and the Jews are using that to their advantage to keep Paul from being able to go out and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. But that's all right, because guess what? Do you think no matter where you are, you have an, an opportunity in your life to preach and tell people about God? I mean, it doesn't really matter where and when. That's right. You can be anywhere, can't you? So you can do it where? At school, at tennis camp, at whatever you're doing this summer, can't you? Where could I do it? Where could I testify? What things do I do where I could give a witness for Jesus? Like work, maybe? Work? What else do I do? What, where else? What other groups of people? Like the gym? Yeah. All, so the gym or if I play tennis or pickleball, whatever I'm doing, wherever we go, we have the opportunity. Paul's going to spend the rest of his time in quote unquote prison or house arrest. And he's going to use that time, Ruthie, to touch so many people. He doesn't let being in prison stop him ever. And in fact, God uses it. God had a plan for him from the beginning. That's why he told him, you're going to go, even though he's a short time here in Caesarea, and you're going to see, spends a good bit of time. But he's on, God has a plan for him to go to Rome and spend time there, and he is going to make a huge impact. So let's and you can see the language that they use when they're addressing the Romans. They're trying, both sides are trying to butter them up and get what they want. But let's read what happens. When the governor mentioned, motioned him to speak, Paul replied, I know that for a number of years you have been a judge over this nation, so I gladly make my defense. You can easily verify that no more than 12 days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship. My accusers did not find me arguing with anyone at this at the temple or stirring up a crowd um, in the synagogues or anywhere else in the city. 
and they cannot prove to you the charges they are now making against me. However, I admit that I worship the God of our fathers as a follower of the way, which they are called a sect. I believe everything that agrees with the law and that is written in the prophets. Prophets. And I have the same hope in God as these men that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience conscience clear before God and man. After an absence of several years, I came to Jerusalem to bring my people gifts for the poor and to present offerings. I was ceremonially clean when they found me in the temple courts doing this. There was no crowd with me, um, nor was I involved in any disturbance. But there are some Jews from the province of Asia who ought to be here before you and bring charges if they have anything against me. Or these who are here should state what crime they found in me when I stood before the Sanhedrin. Unless it was this one thing I shouted as I stood in their presence. It is concerning the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you today. Then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias, the commander, comes, he said, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. So, again, they're both making their case here to Felix, kind of as a trial uh Really, there's no evidence, but we're going to find that doesn't matter. <laughs> this is all political. Paul's there. In this part, as we go through, we're going to see the rest of Paul's life is spent kind of going through these kind of things, these kind of trials. And even though he's going through this, he's going to use it powerfully to, for God. But let's let's see what happens next. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusy. Scylla, who was a Jewess. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul discoursed on righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe, so he sent for him frequently and talked with him. So again, Felix did not want Paul to be imprisoned and hoping he would offer him a bribe so he could let him go. Of course, he could have just let him go since he didn't believe any of this, but he didn't. So let's read what happens. When two years had passed. How long? Two years. Two years. So he's going to spend two years with Felix in Caesarea in house arrest. That's a long time. And so again, all that time he's there. The Jews want to keep him there. So let's read what after two years had passed, Felix was con- succeeded. succeeded by Porcius Festus, but became Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews. He left Paul in prison. That's right. So he wanted to do the Jews a favor. And the Jews wanted Paul in prison, or at least contained to a house, so that he couldn't do the miraculous signs he was doing. So he couldn't convince everyone that Jesus Christ was the savior and the one there. 
that's fine. It, th- these are the things that happen. And so Ruthie, this is just a good documentation by Luke. Now there are other disciples, uh, in the Christian church that are in Jerusalem, but they're picking on Paul because the other, remember, if you remember, what were the jobs of the other apostles that were following Jesus? Do you remember what some of them were? What were the what? What were their jobs before they followed Jesus? Weren't they like tax collectors? So Matthew was a tax collector. What were uh, Peter and John? What were they? Weren't they doctors? So Luke was a doctor. Luke wasn't an apostle. He's the the author of this. They, what did they do? The witch? No, what? no. I'm, I'm, I'm making, fishing. that's right. <laughs> we're doing some pantomiming here. So we, they were fishermen. And so many of them were fishermen, but they had different jobs, but none of them were educated, Ruthie. None of the apostles were high up in the church or had any, standing. But Paul now, Paul was different. Paul wasn't there when Jesus was around. He persecuted the Christians early on, remember. But now he went from being a high-level Pharisee, very high level in the Jewish church. He's educated. He speaks eloquently. He has resources and knows people. And he is now advocating for the Christian people. And so the Jews want to stop that. And so that's all, all of this, Ruthie, everything that's going to happen here, a lot of it's political, but we're seeing how Paul is being persecuted for his faith in Jesus Christ. And again, what's, what's beautiful to see is how Paul doesn't let this slow him down or stop him. And we're going to see in the next few chapters how this happens. So any thoughts or comments before we wrap up today? No, it is a lot going on here. Great job today, Ruthie, pronouncing some of the names and cities and people. It's it's difficult sometimes when you go through the Bible and read that. But but I'd say for any of you reading the Bible, don't let the names of the people or the cities or some of those difficult pronunciations, make sure you can understand the bigger story that's going on here and how God is acting powerfully because he wants to save us all. So Again, Ruthie, thank you for going through this with me. Excited to be wrapping up the book of Acts. And we thank all of you for joining us online on Lessons with Dad.